Saving money on exterior wall lights. Now at Menards. Find your style with Patriot Lighting. Exterior lights enhance the look of your home. Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Red Circle. Also, the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like, subscribe, and turn the notifications on. Also, check us out on Off the Floor. That's our new Discord. If you like the old Off the Floor, this one's 100 times better. Not only can you interact with each other, you can interact with us. There's all kinds of channels on there. But start out with the heat main thing chat, which goes all day long. And you can turn it off if you need to, but then you can check back in whenever you want. So check it out. The description, excuse me, the link is right here on the podcast feeds on the YouTube channel, but also at the very top of the five reasons Twitter feed pinned up there. So it's easy to find. So check out the new off the floor. It's $2.99 per month. Also check out the great sponsors of the five reasons sports network that includes our friends over at better edge. This is a stock exchange for sports betting. What does that mean? It means you can find the line you want. It's basically like a market. So if you like the Dolphins, say, plus seven this weekend, you can get that up, up in Baltimore. If you like them plus one, you can find that too. Go to betteredge.com, use the code 5RSN, you get $20 to play. Also, that's more than enough money to enter into our weekly NFL tournaments and our daily NBA tournaments. So check it out. Legal in the state of Florida and 43 other states, betteredge.com. Use the code 5RSN. And now, today's episode. Down to this gang. Yikes. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing. You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars. Wearing bubble frogs. Just like Bucket said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing. Got an all band. Y'all seen the block. Stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust. It's probably have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I'm Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick and at Five Reasons Sports. we got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. Make sure to check out all of the coverage of the Heat's win on Christmas against the Philadelphia 76ers whether on our YouTube channel or Twitter handles, or of course the post-game podcast with Greg Sylvander hosted. Uh, what do you have on that one? Oh, yeah, he had Ben, Eternal, and Ray, right? So introducing you to some new voices on the feed. Today we're going to get into a narrative. And this has been a narrative for a long time when it comes to the Miami Heat. And I think we're at the point where we can kill this one. And the narrative was, and Alex, this goes back, this predates your coverage of the Heat because, you know, I'm old. The, the narrative was that he couldn't draft. Like this was a consistent theme that I would hear that Pat Riley was just not very good at drafting or the organization, the structure that he set up 
was not very good at drafting. And reality was he wasn't, <laughs> or at least he wasn't particularly good at drafting players who would help the team immediately. And there were a string of first round picks. If you go back to kind of the late nineties, early two thousands, that never did anything. They took a lot of four-year college guys, which there used to be a lot of coming into the draft, guys like a Charles Smith from New Mexico something, not the Charles Smith that everybody's heard of, but another one. Tim James, who went to the University of Miami, so everybody was like, oh, you got to take the Miami guy. He ended up serving in Iraq. He did not serve very well with the Heat. And Wayne Simeon, who actually became a preacher. Like, he had a brief role. He had uh, he had a health condition, other issues. There's a long list of these guys, okay? Players that they drafted that just didn't pan out, didn't help. It got a little better um, towards the big three era. I mean, Norris Cole was a good pick. We can talk. It's our friend, of course, so we have to say that. But he was a good pick. He helped them win a championship. Like, he played a significant role in the rotation. Mario Chalmers. Mario Chalmers in the second round. Your friend Michael Michael Beasley. Beasley, Not as much of a conversation of that being a positive pick, but it is what it is. 2008. Karan Butler, 2002, 10th pick overall, fell to the heat. They didn't think they'd get a chance at him. They took him. Justice Winslow, uh, Dwayne pick didn't, didn't work out so well. But, they, well, I, I'll get to him in a second. Uh, Justice Winslow, but, of course, in that draft, they took Josh Richardson, 40th overall, and he was one of the 10 most productive players in that draft and is still playing today back with the Miami Heat. So there are success stories that kind of blended in as they went forward. I don't think they've ever had a run like this. Like we can talk about Dwayne Wade, obviously 2003 and all the backstory of that, whether they were going to take him, didn't take him. The fact is they did take him. He's a franchise icon. He's an all time great. But if you look at what they've done since, and this plays into what Jaime Hawkins just did on Christmas. And I told everybody, I'm not right that often. I said, Jaime's going to start doing things. They're going to make what he did the past week seem like nothing. We are seeing the incline, right? We're seeing that. Okay, 31 points on Christmas makes the other stuff seem like nothing, particularly because it's in a victory. And everybody got to see it who wasn't watching Ravens 49ers at the moment. If you look at their run since 2017, I will make the argument, and I did some research on this today, Alex. They've had as good a run as any team that's in their position. Okay, teams that have had picks every year, which they haven't. uh, Teams that have had top 10 picks, top five picks. Some of them look OKC looks like they're on a really good run again, like they were before with Durant and, and Harden and Westbrook. There are other teams that have drafted well. Detroit doesn't look like it. Houston kind of looks like it, right? But these are teams that Orlando, they're starting to get out of the muck with some of their draft picks, right? Whether it was Wagner or Paolo or whatever. But again, these are teams that had many, many bites at a very big apple, right? The Heat don't get that. The Heat get at best middle of the first round picks. And they don't take them every year. And to have a run now where you get Bam in 2017, who was not a gimme pick at the time, not even for the Heat. They had Hassan Whiteside signed to a max contract. So there are some who didn't even like that move. To get Tyler Hero two years later at 13th overall, however polarizing Tyler might be, you cannot argue it was a bad draft pick. Look what came after him. And now, again, Jovic, jury's out. We'll discuss him more. But to get Hakez where they got him in the teens, that's three core players for not a rebuild, but a reload. And a, a team that has three guys, 26 or younger, between 22 to 26, 
who look like they could lead you to the playoffs as just the three of them. There are very few teams in the league in the Heat's position who can say that they've accomplished that. And I think, again, Riley deserves credit. Obviously, Adam Simon deserves enormous credit. He's on a hell of a run. Others who contribute to the process, whether it's Kammerer or Askins, et cetera, but they have done incredible work there. And I just, I want to go over this with you, Alex, a little bit, because if you look at Milwaukee, you look at Boston, you look at Philadelphia, those are three teams I looked at. They have not hit like the Heat have hit at all during that period of time. So let me go back to your recollection here before we get to Jaquez and Hero and all that. Your view of the BAM pick when they made it in 17. Well, I can't really say much because there is a documented clip that from Miami Heat beat at the time when we did live draft coverage that has run, they've they've played it throughout the years so many times and I honestly nothing makes me cringe more hearing myself um, react to the BAM pick and the shock because I think we had all convinced ourselves that they were going to take OG if I remember correctly, um, which obviously like that would have been a nice pick too. But yeah, um, at the time like BAM I think fits into the theme i know we're not talking about them yet uh, that tyler and hawkes do where it's like it's not exactly the guy that everybody wanted and a lot of times it's somebody is like ah was he in that range right was that a little bit of a reach i felt like a lot that's kind of a similar reaction that happened with tyler with bam and with hawkes and every single time that happens you they kind of end up being right now there's been you know a couple of hiccups throughout these past few because they've absolutely nailed on those guys but like um you know, we don't talk about Precious and KZ anymore. <laughs> we are we are going to talk about Precious and KZ. We will. But I, I want to hit on these guys first. But no, I'm not I'm not avoiding them. It's not like Bruno or something like that where we don't talk about it. We will get to Precious eventually. I was wrong about Bam. That's that's what I was saying. That's I mean, I, like I didn't think he was going to be a, like a bad player or anything, but I just never in my, you know, in, in anybody's dreams that I did. I, like for him to become the guy he is today. That would have seemed insane back then when they drafted him because he kind of projected as just like a, a screen and roll center who could, you know, who was really athletic and could be a great defensive player from day one, which was useful. And he was a great backup five from day one, maybe one of the best backup fives like immediately um, over those first couple of seasons behind Whiteside and was a positive player. But in that moment, I was definitely not the happiest. So I, I'm remembering back to draft night and. I remember some of the things that Riley said about him. He compared him to Sean Kemp. And if you remember young Sean Kemp, not fat Sean Kemp, um, he was a force of nature. So you're hearing that and you're like, okay, if that's the upside is Sean Kemp became more than this. He developed a mid-range jumper. There were a whole bunch of things Sean Kemp could do. Like he was virtually unstoppable with Gary Payton for like a two to three year period. And that team almost won a championship. They just ran into Jordan. But when we heard that, it did think, okay, this is this uber-athletic finisher. Like, that's what went through my mind. Now, there were others who compared him to Dwight, but I think that was more because of the facial resemblance to Dwight. I remember even asking Dwight in Bam's rookie year, and he's like, he looks like me. Um, but I, I didn't really think of him as Dwight. But it was this kind of, again, as you said, sort of a finisher, rim runner, that kind of thing defensively clearly there were tools no question and the makeup of of him which i remember and i've said this before that somebody who investigates this these things for the heat came up to me uh draft night and said we did more research on this guy than we've done on anybody since i've been here and this person's been there more than two decades 
And essentially he said, he's the anti-Hassan. And that's all you needed to say. Cause that just meant, okay, selfless work ethic, all of those kind of things. But to say that he would be this, because I want to go over the numbers on this. Like, again, for people who are frustrated about certain things that the organization does, we understand some of it. But you have to understand what a huge win this is. Like, to be in the position now where you have a player who you're going to extend and max out and you want to be with your franchise forever and is now your team captain. If you go through the numbers, and I know these are, you know, these are wonky numbers that Basketball Reference puts out, but it's just the easiest way to chart this. Bam is third in win shares in his draft class, and he's third in VORP, okay, uh, value over replacement player. So, again, they're wonky numbers, okay, a whole bunch of va- uh, factors involved. But to be third in both of those when you were drafted 14th, uh, you have seriously exceeded it. And the only guy who is clearly above him in that draft class and those kind of advanced metrics is, is Jason Tatum. That's it. Um, and Donovan Mitchell, it depends on what metric you look at, um, and whether or not he is. And then there are some others that sort of weirdly favor Jared Allen, but like, I'll, I'll go through this here. The, the top six in VORP from that, uh, draft class, Tatum, Mitchell, Adebayo, Jared Allen, Derek White, whose emergence is more the past couple of years. De'Aaron Fox, Laurie Markkinen, John Collins, Lonzo Ball has had the unfortunate injuries, and OG Ananobi. So that's the 10. But the clear point here is that Bam was an absolute steal. Okay, like, you know, more so than even the other guys we're going to talk about. And because you got that foundational player, now you're able to add to it. If they don't hit on that pick, they are probably still stuck with Hassan. (laughs) Like Bam's emergence, even if it was in a backup role, gave them the cover to kind of move on from Hassan. And so it it is, it's one of the most important decisions they've ever made. They probably would have taken Mitchell if he'd still been there and he almost dropped to them. And that would have worked out pretty well too, since he was the closest thing to a Dwayne clone you were going to find. But it's a remarkable pick. I want to go to this with you now. So let's go to the next one. Okay. Hero. Because I know that some of your colleagues at Miami Heat beat were not high on this pick. Where, where were you on that? Like I said before, and I probably shouldn't have got like the the overall theme in, in the first answer, right? That was my mistake. But I just feel like that that is the theme in this episode when it come, when you're grouping Tyler, Bam, and Hawkins together. I think the immediate reaction for a lot of people is just like, why him? And and yeah, that, that was another clip from Miami Heat beat where it was uh, – my guy Jack Alfonso had said that it was like if Luke Kennard was bad or something like that, something to that effect, and how they they wanted to start Hawk Speed and this and that. Yeah, it, you know, it's we like running. I, I enjoyed listening to it just now because it's funny, but it's just so so like hilariously wrong. And Tyler has just been a fantastic player for, from for them from the start. He's gotten better every single year, and I was in that same group. Like I, I think. I come away from all of these like uh, was maybe not the number one guy I would have picked, but you know, just kind of giving them uh benefit of the doubt. And I feel like they've kind of, you know, they've, they've given you reason to, and again, Tyler and bam, both of them better every single year. I, I maybe you can, some people will disagree with me there. I do feel like both of those guys have gotten marginally better in every single season they've played in the league. And like you said, if it's just like these types of decisions, right. If it was, 
quote unquote the old Pat Riley or whatever who just mm-hmm. um, supposedly couldn't draft. Like this whole Jimmy era would be absolutely screwed. Yes. Like think about think about how <laughs> screwed they would be if they tried to make that Jimmy move. There was no Bam in place. Tyler to a lesser extent, but still, um, like that's, it's just been such a huge part of what they've been able to do over these years. And that's why you got to give credit to them for, I think, nailing these picks to the degree they have and for not being, you know, not playing into the stereotype over the years of like, oh, we're willing to give you all the picks for the star who, upgrade. Who, like who they've been pretty. That, who was it they were supposed to take? Seiko? Was that who, who the Heat Beat crowd wanted them to take? He's out is of the league. In class, he? it might have been. I, I I think so, and I'm I'm gonna go through some of the numbers. Where is Seiko Dibuya? Well, and then we're gonna then we're gonna get to then we're gonna get to Hakis here, but let me just give you some of the numbers here on Tyler specifically. Okay, um, so that VORP category, value over replacement player, he currently ranks eighth. Uh, again, I think this is a flawed statistic because I would okay, Morant is first, Zion is second. We know the issues with both of them, but obviously the elite talent. Brandon Clark, who's who's hurt this season, Cam Johnson, Nick Claxton, who's a very good starting center in the NBA now. Matisse Tybel, he should not be ahead of Tyler. So again, like I said, some of these statistics are a little flawed. Garland is right ahead of Tyler, even though he's picked eight picks ahead. And then those behind Tyler on that category are Daniel Gafford, Terrence Mann, PJ Washington, Jackson Hayes, Keldon Johnson, uh, Goga Batadze, uh, Chumo Kiki, Kevin Porter Jr., Cody Martin, Kobe White. I mean, Grant Williams. You wouldn't rather have any of those guys. And Tyler, and if you just want to go by the picks of where he went, he was 13th. Romeo Langford went right after him, has not been a productive NBA player. Uh, Seiko's out of the league, uh, I believe. He was, uh, let me see, he's played 96 games in the NBA. Tyler, all the criticisms of timing miss, he's played 254. Um, there's nobody below Tyler, like they didn't miss on anyone. Like the only guy, I mean, you can, I guess, Grant Williams has been a productive NBA player. Nick Claxton. I mean, they took Casey Akpala in the same draft. Again, that's another conversation, but second round picks, I don't kill them for that. Uh, that and that was a Riley pick. That wasn't a Riley wanted him. That wasn't, uh, that wasn't the scouting staff as much. Um, and you know, there's some other, I mean, Jalen McDaniels is down here. I mean, th- there are some players who played some games, Terrence Mann, also Talon Horton Tucker, but there's nobody in that list that you would have taken. I mean, essentially they took the only guy they should have there and you can absolutely make the argument I mean, we could talk about Zion and Ja. I, I'm not a big R.J. Barrett fan. He's too inconsistent. DeAndre Hunter. I mean, Garland, yes, you can make a case for him over Tyler. But Jarrett Culver, obviously not. Kobe White, no, even though he's been more productive this year. Jackson Hayes, no. Rui Hachimura, no. Cam Reddish, even though he's starting now, no. Cam Johnson I w- has been a good player, but I would still say no. P.J. Washington, I'd say no. Like, if you redraft this thing, Tyler's in the top five, isn't he? Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. So, I mean, there you're at. So you've gotten – Bam is – if you redraft 2017, and then we'll get to Hawkins, and I want to get to Boston, Milwaukee, Philadelphia after the break. If you redraft 2017, Tatum goes first, right? Yeah. Obviously not Fultz, right? Yeah. Mitchell goes second. Mitch, Mitchell goes second? Yeah, probably. I think you could maybe make a case for Fox. Okay, so what is the what is the furthest that Bam drops? Four. Oh wait, I'm sorry, my my bad. I was just thinking about like other than Bam, but if you're if you're putting Bam in there, yeah, where would what, what's the what's the furthest uh, down? I, I think Tyler's fifth is the furthest I'd put him down. Um, where would where would what what would it be for Bam? Fourth? The absolute furthest I'd put Bam down is three. I think behind 
Mitchell. And even then, I'm like, I'd rather have Bam than Mitchell. But that's, I, I think I could, I could see it both ways. Like they're obviously very different players. I would definitely take Bam over Fox and uh, Marketing. Okay, so if that's the case, I mean, because those are the only other two in conversation. Like and I, I said, you could make a case for, you know, I'm not gonna do it. Let me stop. Let me stop myself right there before. Who, who I, are you gonna make a case for? Not on an OB, right? Bam over Tatum. It's probably not. The most optimistic. I want to go there with you, but Bam is not being charged with being the number. I know what Jalen Brown's being paid. We don't have to. We don't have to. We, we don't have to. I, I think you can make the case over Mitchell, though. I, I do think you can yeah. make the case over Mitchell, uh, but I, I don't think you can make the case over Tatum because of what Tatum, the burden on Tatum there is greater than the burden on Bam, at least on the offensive end, obviously. Um, and then again, this was a pretty good draft. I mean, it, it's, it's not great. I mean, I'm looking at Thomas Bryant's 14th in, in VORP uh, from that draft. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein has actually been pretty good for, for the Knicks this year, but he's 15th. I mean, it kind of bottoms out at about number 10 with Ananobi, honestly. And Lonzo Ball is, is the big unknowable because he was on a track, I think, to be a borderline all-star player before, you know, the knees went on him. But Markinen's been a little late in development, but obviously has justified the seventh overall pick. And Derek White's been a steal from 29 and obviously a player that probably San Antonio should have held on to. But, yeah, I mean, I don't think you could say Bam would be third. I mean, third is the least, right? Okay, so when we come back, we're going to look at the Hawkins thing. And here's the thing about this, okay? They took these three guys from big-time colleges, obviously UCLA and Kentucky. Uh, but they're not all the same. I mean, Tyler really emer- Tyler was a young, young, young player who really emerged the second half of his collegiate season. And Bam was like the third option on his team, third or fourth for most of that year. Whereas Hawkes was the first option on, you know, a tourney team and a four-year player. So they've, they've done it a little bit differently here, but they got high character guys in all three. And I think that's one of the key things here. All right. So uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the Hawkes draft. And I do want to do some little comparison shopping here because I think the Heat are going to look even better in the light uh, when we do that. Before we do want to mention – Great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Our friends over at Water Cleanup of Florida. You can find them at WCUFL.com. That's WCUFL.com. Your one-stop water and mold cleanup shop. They'll take care of everything for you. They're based in Boca Raton. Get the preventative, get in their preventative program because we know the insurance companies after the fact don't take care of everything. They'll do the best they can afterwards, trust me. Um, and if they can't do the job, because I have sent this to people and they said, this is not a job for us, they will tell you. They're not trying to take your money like a lot of these other contractors. They're based in Boca. They service all the counties down here, Dade and Broward as well. Reach out to them at WCUFL.com. Michael Robert and his team will take care of you. If you've got the schmutz, they got the guts. Hey, it's Ethan Skolnick for Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. As you know, we heard from Pat Riley recently. Everybody has an opinion on trades, free agency, who they should keep, who they should give up, who they should get. Well, whatever it is that Riley and the Heat do, you don't want them giving up too much and getting too little, right? Well, the same is true of shaving products. And that's why I use Harry's shaving products. I love the way it handles. I love the way it looks. And I love the quality of the shave. I have a little bit of trouble growing out a good beard So better to just shave it off and make sure that it looks somewhat professional. These are German-engineered blades made in their own factory, so they stay sharp longer. means you can use them 
longer. And also, they've got customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as two bucks, half of what you pay for other big brands. Also, I would recommend the shaving lotion as well and the body wash. So check it out. You can go to harrys.com backslash five. That's harrys.com backslash five. You'll get a $13 trial set for just three bucks. Again, don't pay too much and get too little. Same is true of shaving as NBA transactions. harrys.com backslash five for your $3 trial set. All right, so let's get to Hawkes here, okay? Because we should do the precious pick just for the sake of it, okay? Just for the sake of it, I, just in, in fairness here, right? So this is the 2021 draft, and we all know who they passed on, right? So so this is um, – was this 2021 or was this 2020? Yeah, right? What, what am I missing here? Hold on. Uh, isn't it 20, 2021 or was it 2020? It might have been 2020. Let me see. Oh, because they didn't have a pick. In yeah, it was after the bubble, so it's 2020. It said that, that the calendar was a little weird during that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every, yeah, those two seasons run together. All right, so let's so let's go through it. So here, if you look at this particular draft, the guy they took, who's no longer here, that they did exchange him for Kyle Lowry. Um, he is Precious Achua. Is let's see, he was drafted. What was it? Nineteenth? Is that right? I believe. And he is down. Let me see. Um, I'm trying to find him. I guess it'll be easier if I flip it this way. Let, let me flip it this way. Because right but by, by the way, by the way, take a guess who has the the best metrics according to basketball reference of anybody drafted in um in 2020. Who who's in your guess? 2020? Yeah. Um that was the uh, I guess I'll say Ant or Halliburton. Halliburton's number one. He was drafted twelfth. Mm. Uh and honestly, it ain't close. Um guess who's number two? Drafted 30th, another player we t- nope. Another player oh, we talked cool. about for the Heat who was available. Nope. Oh no. But Poole was in that draft. Was, oh no, Poole was in Tyler's draft. Never mind. Never mind. Desmond Bain. Ah. Drafted 30th overall. By the way, best draft pick Boston's had, but they didn't draft him to pick him to keep him. Uh third in that draft in the metrics is LaMelo Ball and fourth. I'm so glad Anthony. they didn't keep him. Oh my goodness. Oh, you can you imagine? But I, I think he was I think he's one of those players that was ticketed for somewhere else. Yeah. Um, Anthony Edwards, by the way, is fourth. Again, these metrics are a little wonky. Maxi is fifth. Um, and he was drafted 21st. Then quickly, Sadiq Bey, Akangwa, Obi Top, and it drops off quickly after five. Okay. I mean, quickly is a good player. So maybe after after the sixth uh most impactful player in this draft, there ain't a lot there. I mean, Devin Vassell's been a good player. Uh, Cole Anthony is taking a little time to develop. This is not a great draft outside of a handful of guys. Okay. So really this conversation is about one player, right? It's, it's that they took, they took precious over Maxi. That's, that's really the only. And Desmond Bain. Yes. Right. right. I, honestly, um, if you want to, if you were to tell me like which one of those two would have been a better fit, I think it's Bain. And not that I have anything against Maxi. Yeah. I think he's a good player. Um, you know, got to ask him a couple of questions last night. That always helps with the, with the image. But no, in, in reality, uh, I think he's a good player. And in the Heat, for, for sure, like the rim pressure would have been nice. But as far as like him next to Tyler, I, I think I'd rather the Bane fit. And I, Bane would have fit incredibly into like the types of sets that they've been running Duncan through forever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, the, I think Precious over Maxi and Bane is just, it's it's not it's one that I think these fans are going to get over. Yeah, but it, it's, it's more like. I mean- 
if yeah. you want to, how about this? You can almost, and I don't want to do this, me of all people, but I, you can almost classify it in the same category as what happened with Justice, except Justice was obviously a lot more productive throughout mm-hmm. his time. But they ended up, and, and you might not like this overall point, Ethan, but they ended up, you know, getting you something that helped you <laughs> in your playoffs run. Like Precious was a part of, you know, what yeah. got you Kyle. And as much as, you know, as controversial as Kyle has been throughout this whole time, They've been successful with him, right? Can't deny that. Mm-hmm. And as and you know, Justice when they traded him, they got Crowder, Iguodala, and Solomon Hill went to the finals in the bubble. So, you know, okay, it could no, be worse. Well, they, it, they're very, that's, they're that's very, bad though. They're they're very good at wiggling out of their mistakes. Okay, like that's I mean that's one of the things that they Winslow over well. Booker. Uh, yeah, I mean that's a tough. Justice one better to forever, out. but Winslow over Booker. That's a mistake. I, I think most people would agree. I'm, I'm looking at the other metrics here in Precious. It's funny. He comes in at 21st in that draft um, when he was actually 20. So, like, he kind of has played to the draft position. It's just the two guys that were picked after him. I think that that's, that's what jumps out. But, look, even some other guys, like Isaac Okoro was Wiggly? a sixth overall pick. He hasn't been – or fifth overall pick. He hasn't been incredibly impactful. He's a decent NBA player, but, like, he's Emmanuel not. Quickly, Ethan, was also taken after – Another Kentucky guard. I mean, it was really it was really the three guards. And it's funny because I remember before the draft and we had Nikias on. We and talked JD about McDaniels too. I know. But we but we talked about quickly Maxie and Bain. Like those were the three guys we were like, okay. If they but they they wanted like BAM two when Precious was nothing like BAM two. And so it didn't end up working out. So anyway, we passed over that one. The Jovich thing. Uh, I want I want to hit on that real quick here, okay? Because and then we're gonna we're gonna we're finally we'll get to Hawkes here and we'll close. Um, the Jovich thing—it's just hard to know. Like he ran, he's out of the top twenty-five in all the metrics because he has, hasn't played, played. I mean, I you know, so I, I don't. They didn't have a pick in twenty twenty-one, but they, they you know he hasn't played. I mean, I'm just gonna look here at who was picked right after him, just for, for reference sake. And he may end up being better players than all these players, but. He was picked 27, so he was after Walker Kessler. He was after, you know, the, the three picks right after him were Patrick Baldwin, Ty Ty Washington, and Peyton Watson. We're just starting to see Peyton Watson get minutes this year, right? And He's then there's some second-round guys, Nemhard. I mean, there's really not a lot here. I, I You know, it's it's not – there's not a whole lot of guys who've popped. I mean, Nemhard David Williams most, maybe, but even then, that's not even, like, one that you feel too bad about. Yeah. Like but not, but yeah. not, um, not J Dub, not the wing Jalen Williams, the the big, the Jaylen other one, Williams. no, the, the one with Ian, yeah. Could have been a cool back of five, I guess. But I'm not too, I'm not upset about that. There, there's nothing they miss that's that. I mean, Max Christie hasn't really panned out. Like, I mean, you're looking at the rest of these guys. So a again, lot of people wanted context, EJ Liddell. I remember that looking at his name here. He got taken. He, like probably, he's played. A, he's played a total. He's played a total of eight NBA minutes. Nine. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, he had the injury stuff. Tough situation. So I'm just saying, like, again, for those who are impatient with Jovic, and, and I understand people want to see him play and all that, he's kind of doing what most of the guys towards the bottom of the first round are doing. Um, he's just in a better program where he may emerge, and some of them, some of them might not. You know, I, I think, and we're just, again, even at the top of the draft, like Keegan Murray's kind of having the breakout year. Jabari Smith has been a huge improved player over the past couple of weeks. Like we're just seeing it now. He was the third overall pick, and obviously Chet missed the year. Chet Holmgren, Shannon Sharp has, has has been a good pick for Portland, but most of these guys were young and they're going to take time. All right, so let's get to Hawkins here, and then I want to make the comparison. Um, right now, Jaime Hawkins, okay, in terms of his metrics, 
is second in his draft class in virtually well, every category. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of remarkable. I mean, you look at, um, uh, by the way, uh, I can never pronounce his name. Uh, Pods, uh, you, you know the one. Pajemski? Yeah, he's been really good over the past couple of weeks since he got the playing time. And I like him. He's, he's a ready-for-NBA player. Was picked 19th right after Jaime. Um, and he's actually leading in fourth right now. But, you know, again, it's, it's, it's just the, the guys who are there with, with Hawkins from this draft class, because Chet's not his draft class, even though he may win rookie of the year, are essentially Wembanyama and Derek Lively's been, been great for Dallas, which was an OKC pick that ended up in Dallas. People wanted Cam Whitmore. He's played 46 minutes. Jaime's played 868. Okay. Jarris Walker, another player we talked about before the draft, was picked eighth overall. He ended up what in Indiana, right? After he got moved a couple times. 84 minutes. I mean, what Jaime is doing is not normal. Everybody's gonna point to me to the age, but a lot of these guys are not they're, they're like a year younger than him. I mean, I'll point Chris, to Chris Murray, Murray then. Chris Murray, right, the Chris senior. Murray, right? He's played 149 minutes for a rebuilding Portland team. He's shooting 34% from the floor. Yeah, I mean, you think he'd have like a, you, you think he have he'd have like the the space to to grow and develop there as opposed to Jaime. It was like we thought this this rotation was almost too full before mm-hmm. the season started. Like this was not a situation where he was supposed to have all this space immediately from the start until he just kind of you know took it and earned it. Well, who, if you look at who who is like the sensation of preseason, right? Like the, the Thompson twins, right? So Oscar's I mean, got I a ton Hawkins of- was fantastic in the preseason too. No, that I was know, where he was kind of, of fully swayed me. But there was a lot of conversation about the Thompson twins, right? Okay. Yeah. And so, okay. Oscar has played a lot of minutes and played pretty well for Detroit, but they've lost 26 straight games. I don't even know how to measure <laughs> that. Okay. Amen Thompson looked great in the preseason he for a, a team in houston that is a young team on the rise we're going to see them in a couple of weeks but, in miami he's only but, played eight games in 118 minutes udoka has played really eight like, times as many minutes udoko is running like a, he, he's trying to be a playoff team with the rockets like it's not but so a, are the heat see that see, not, that see that i i get i get it i get i know that it's different than detroit and some of the other teams i understand but my point is this, it's to put into context what Jaime is doing to just for yeah. people to just say he's 22. So yeah, sure. Okay. I know the Thompson twins are younger than him. And I know that they went through over time and all the way. They played down here at Pinecrest where I went to high school. I, I understand. Uh, okay. That they're younger, not as much as expected of them, but I just to put into context what Jaime is doing and his shooting splits, he's averaging almost 30 minutes a game. Now he's averaging 29 minutes a game. He's played every game for the heat. He's the only guy on the roster. Who's done that. He's shooting 52% from the floor, 38% from three, 86% from the line, averaging 13.7 points, 3.9 rebounds, 2.5 assists. By the way, those assist numbers are going to go up as the ball's in his hands even more. And again, on win shares, he is second in this, excuse me, second in his draft class, not to Wemby, to Derek Lively, who again has been a, a, a really big pickup for Dallas. Okay, and he was picked twelve win shares. In win shares, he's it's well, yeah, he definitely ahead first. of Victor there. They just the Spurs haven't done a lot of winning. Well, no, they haven't exactly. Okay, so Lively is first playing for Dallas, and Hawkins is right there with him, and then Casey Wallace. Okay, is right there below him, and is, then Pods is Jordan and, Hawkins and then, around there. Jordan Hawkins is eighth. In that and and Jordan Hawkins has played well, but again, Jordan Hawkins is another shooter. He's shooting thirty eight percent from the floor. Like uh, what what 
what Jaime is doing is ludicrous. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, this is not, and I've said this so many times, like, this is not like high level role stuff. This is, this guy is a legitimate star within three seasons stuff. Like that, that is the trajectory. He's doing this on a good team that even though it's had injuries, is stocked with players, has championship aspirations, and he has basically just fit in seamlessly. He is leading all rookies. I don't. I haven't checked Chet because it's not his draft class. He's leading all rookies in minutes. Brandon Miller is second, and Asar Thompson on a terrible team. Brandon Miller and Asar Thompson are playing on horrible teams, and Victor's Victor's fourth. So he, yeah. he he's he's the three guys who are behind him on minutes. He's first are playing for teams that what Charlotte's going to win 25 games. Detroit might win 10. San Antonio might win 15. The heat might win more games than all three of those teams combined. It's just, it, it, it is again, crazy what they have done. Okay. With these three picks. It's just a, like, I, do, do you have any doubt? Okay. And I'm I'll, very quickly, I'm going to go through Milwaukee and Boston. Do you have any doubt? that when we look back in three years that we'll say Jaime should have been a top five pick or do you think, do you think that he levels off because some of these guys are higher, supposedly higher upside because they're younger. That's which is what everybody, you know, I think there's a small chance, but no, I would say probably there's a 5% chance that he's not considered a top five pick still of the draft class. So that, that excludes Chet, right? So that's one less guy there. Um, I think the only way is like some of these guys who aren't playing much, like the young, the, the Thompson twins, or like specifically uh, Amen Thompson, because Asar is playing. But like younger guys, you know, who step, who grow and just step into like the player they're going to be a little bit later, come up. But I, even then, I still think Haka is like the the way that he is producing right now, and the fact that we're talking about. Hold on, like this this should have been mentioned at the top of the show. This team has been in the finals and the conference finals two or three out of the last four years in the Jimmy era. Haka steps in, and he's immediately their fourth or fifth, fifth best player. Like, what? What? That just doesn't make any sense. Like, Average 29 minutes a game. It would be a bigger story, typically, if it was another team mm-hmm. just adding, you know, another team that, that has been that successful that recently, adding somebody of that caliber. And honestly, man, he's just been a godsend for all of us, for the fans, for the team. And for us as a podcast, um, on top of that, right, I think you look at the stuff that he's doing at the rim. And I know we've been talking about it the whole time, It's but it's just insane. Like we, we've been hammering how much they need rim pressure throughout the entire Jimmy Butler era on this podcast. And they get a guy who in his first season in the NBA, he's taking 43% of his, um, of his shot attempts at the rim, which ranks in the 93rd percentile. Like the guy is rim pressure in a player, but not only that, like he's giving you playmaking. I know we've talked about this on the, on the podcast and and before and on the quick takes videos that we do after the game, but he's giving you playmaking. He's giving you defense. He's giving you counters. Like he's just reacting to what players do. He's getting veteran players to jump up and up, up in the air. Like every game, it's just ridiculous what he's doing, man. And the numbers kind of back it too. Now I, I will say like, the on and off stuff doesn't love him, but I do think that has more to do with the lineups because the the numbers kill when it's him and Jimmy. When it's him with Bam and Tyler, those lineups have, haven't been great so far, just as far as net rating. 
But the fact that he's playing that great with Jimmy, they have like a plus nine net rating together. Like, that's a great thing, man, because that was one of the concerns, too. It's like, okay, you have this guy who's supposed to be a facsimile of Jimmy, who's supposed to play his game when he's not on the floor, which is kind of what he did last night. Um, But on top of that, he's playing great alongside of him. Like, it's really just green flag after green flag. And you try to find, like, holes in the game, and there's just not that many. Like, you even look at the mid-range, you know, 28% 28% of his shots come in the short mid range. So I think a lot of that, you know, I consider part of like his finishing package too, because he really likes to play in that area. And I think he's just kind of money from there. 90th percentile when it comes to like um, the amount of shots, uh, the percentage of shot attempts that come in the short mid range. And he knows the guy is like a veteran as a rookie when it comes to knowing where your spots are and just kind of clocking in to your office, right? The, 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 metaphor, the metaphorical basketball office, for Hakez being there in the post, being there in the short mid-range, and getting there, whether it's on or off ball. And you said he's not doing role-player stuff. He's kind of doing both, man. Like, he's doing the star stuff, and he's doing role-player stuff when he's playing next to better players, where he's like, okay, if I don't have the ball in my hands, I'm constantly going to be cutting, constantly going to be relocating, and just finding the open space and getting there, not cutting at the same time as a guy. Like, it's incredible how refreshing all these things are, and just... You know, he's been fantastic, man. It's hard to not, you know, um, overstate what he's doing because he's giving you 64% at the rim with a good amount of attempts at the rim. He's shooting well in the mid-range, shooting better from three than people he, I mean, people thought he would. Like, the one thing you can point at is the turnovers, but even then, it's not bad. I just think, like, that's one of those things that he'll get better at with more reps and, you know, as as the years go on. But well, I don't the guy think, is polished as hell. I don't think they're careless turnovers. I think they're um, they're they're a lot of times you know, he puts the ball on the floor and teams I think are overplaying certain things and 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 this is the key thing I think going forward with him is that and we've talked about this a little on off the floor in other places is that I don't know that the scouting report is going to fix this for his opponents. I don't because I don't think that he is so single that like there isn't any he's just he's just as they say a hooper like i don't think that there's like okay they you take away this or you take away that and all of a sudden you're going to change the way he plays like i don't i don't think it's going to be that issue we've talked about what happened with Kendrick Nunn that you know teams started attacking on the pick and roll and he we, they knew he wasn't going to pass and and so they started overplaying it i don't see that but here's the other key thing is that you mentioned the rim stuff he doesn't have to initiate every play to get to the rim and that is such a huge thing. And when I was talking to Spolster about this the other day, and he was talking about the rotational clarity that they have this year, a lot of it is they have more guys who can play off the ball. And last year they had too many guys who played on the ball. He, he said he said to me, he said, look, Vic needed the ball. Others needed the ball. You know, when they had Duncan or Schroes, they had to run plays for both of them. Now it's like you have more guys who can cut. And that's why the thing with Jimmy and Jaime is going to keep working because they don't need to initiate all the actions. The other one can play off of it. Like, like suppose said yesterday, you cannot run a play for Jimmy and he'll get you 20. Well, he didn't run a play for Jaime and he got him 31. So we don't even need to go. So we've gone long today. We need, I'll do the rest of this on off the floor. Um, I, I'll just tell you, Boston, Milwaukee, and Philadelphia have not drafted like this since 2017. Okay. Now there's a couple the Tatum pick, obviously Boston, when Ainge was there, that was a huge hit to get the first round pick and, deal faults and take take around the year before right right but you look you look at since okay i'll just do boston real quick we don't need to do milwaukee uh nothing productive in 23 nothing productive in 22 nothing productive in 21 i'm doing boston just because again 
I'm not going to compare the Heat to these lottery teams, okay, who are just accumulating picks. 2020, they had four picks. Well, one of them was Bain, who they flipped, okay? Aaron Neesmith's not there anymore. Peyton Pritchard is a borderline rotation player. I don't think he would play consistently on the Heat. You go to 2019, Romeo Langford didn't work out. Tybal was sent to Philadelphia. Grant Williams worked out. That was a pretty good pick at 22 overall. He's not there anymore. Tremont Waters, second-round pick, didn't work out. Robert Williams, yes, was a good pick in 2018 at 27 overall. We know he was flipped. Uh, that's that's not comparable. And then Tatum, yes, when Ainge was there, uh, they've gotten they've taken a different approach since Brad Stevens took over. But Miami's drafted better than Boston. Miami's drafted better than Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee, uh, there's nothing here. I mean, they took RJ Hampton, sent him to Denver in 2020. He's with the heat. Now Dante DiVincenzo, 2018, 17th overall pick is the most productive player that they've taken. So all I'm going to say is this, okay. With hero, Bam and Hawkins, this is a narrative that should die. And also, they need to figure out a way to keep Adam Simon. What about Philly with years. their process? They just had you, Maxi. You want, you want to do it? I'll, I'll do it before we go. We don't, you we can just run it off. We already know. We don't even have to. We don't even have to go through it. Well, they, took, they, they, they got Maxi. They got Maxi. 20, 20, 21st overall, and they did take Mikael Bridges. Um, but they played and them. traded him, even though took, his took, was it, his mother worked at the organization, <laughs> yes. and, and he played at Villanova, which is there. 2018. They they took him 10th overall, and they flipped Great him. Process. Paul Reed, second-round pick, has been a pretty productive backup big. We saw him last night. But otherwise, their draft's been bleep also. Like, they, they, you know, so, again, the Heat don't do everything perfectly. This is one thing they got criticized for for a long time for not doing well. They've done it extraordinarily well. All right, we'll be back with more episodes. Thanks to our sponsors, Better Edge and Water Cleanup. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Fivers and Sports Network. After all. Someone needs to listen to my dad. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.